0: Monsters: The deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me when I can break him out of his crystalline space prison is Gavin. And this tear in the rain with me is Hess. Mmm. Yep, all of the 40-year-olds are going to love that one. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: So, uh, we are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from inside the console and out of the box and beyond... Um, and on a rotating basis, we each bring a monster into the shop, unknown to the other host, and present and discuss them for our own edification and the education of you, the reader at home. So um, I actually, even though it's my topic today, I do have a vocabulary, unless you have a real uh, yearning to do one, Gavin. Do you want to do the vocabulary or do you want me to do it? No, you can do it. The vi- The... Villainous vocabulary will uh, help inform the topic. Villainous vocabulary. So the the piece of vocabulary I want to bring in is metafiction. It's one word, metafiction, like metahuman. It's a form of fiction which emphasizes its own constructedness in a way that continually reminds the audience to be aware that they are reading or viewing a fictional work. Metafiction is self-conscious about language, literary form and storytelling, and works of metafiction that yeah, works of metafiction directly or indirectly draw attention to their status as artifacts. So it's bringing attention to itself uh, kind of a literary version of breaking the fourth wall but more in like a tongue in cheek way and so we will be <laughs> we will be speaking about um, a work of metafiction today so not a, not a particularly funny or goofy vocab today but it, it will it will uh, the, be related when to you the type in
1: when you type in metafiction in Google, uh, a comic strip shows up, and it shows two cavemen, and one of the cavemen is smashing rocks with his speech bubble.
0: Oh, okay, there you go. And that made that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. We're gonna start with a spooky story, uh, with a kind of a—it's not a ghost tale, but you know, it's it's it's, it's in that in the zone. Uh, imagine it's. 1896, outside of Rico, Colorado, a logging operation on a settlement previously used to excavate silver and gold from the mountains during the rush that created the Wild West. Now you and your fellow lumberjacks work tirelessly from sunrise to sunset six days a week to bring income back to the farm during the cold months when the sap is too hard to muck up the teeth of a two-man saw, and there is no farming to be done at home thanks to harsh conditions. It's your first season as a lumberjack, a greenhorn, and the older jacks fill your ears with piss each night around the campfire of their (laughs) whiskeys and deer jerky, telling tales of strange monsters taller than a bear but as smart as a man, hideous beasts and devious leprechauns that populate the long shadows of the mountainside at night, ready to unleash misery on any foolish lumberjack that wanders away without his senses about him. About after seven or eight of these stories, you know they're just yanking your chain and trying to make a fool of the Greenhorn in camp, and you find yourself answering nature's call, walking down the sidling path out of earshot of the uproarious laughter of the campfire. As you finish relieving yourself, something catches your eye. A raccoon. It spots you at the same moment and steps back into the shadows. If you can catch it, it'll make a if you can catch it, it will make a hell of a breakfast tomorrow. Or At least that's what the veteran loggers tell you. You unfold your knife and step after the raccoon who waddles away just too fast for you, and you lose it. But wait, you hear it jump into the bushes, and suddenly you're chasing shadows after this damn raccoon. On the side of a 45-degree mountain littered with sawdust and mud. Horn stumps filling with fetid water from the previous season's cut. You are sure you've lost a coon, but suddenly you spot its beady little eyes as it darts away from you. You give chase when a sound from farther up the mountainside pulls some of your attention. And a series of rocks rolls past you down the hill. And a deeper sound, no, more like a vibration. A profound All consuming vibration and the dangerous snapping of saplings and adolescent trees. A rock slide? No, what is that? You are swallowed whole by the slide rock bolter a land fish bigger than a blue whale, the lonely citizen at the tops of the steepest logging mountains of Colorado. It consumes you in one great gulp and without stopping uses its momentum along with the slathering saliva from its capacious mouth to ramp back up the next embankment where it hooks its crooked tail to the top of the mountain and situates itself yet again for another trip fixing its eyes on the path for any lost tourists or drunken lumberjacks that happen by. So, have you ever heard, Gavin, of the slide rock bolter? No. <laughs> uh, that's why I didn't give you a chance to guess it, because I was pretty sure you'd have known. Yeah. Uh, that you, just like me, would have um, abso no 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 context for this thing. Um, whatsoever. So let's dis- let's discuss the slide rock Bolter. and with it, our in our inaugural cryptid, our first cryptid uh, ever. Yeah, that's weird. This is the I, <laughs> we, and we picked a very strange one. Um, and I should mention that we're not we're not avoiding cryptids uh, on the show. Yeah. We're just not mega cryptid people. We tend to come to the show for more of a gaming and pop culture uh angle. We're big on cryptids, particularly here in West Virginia, but um it's if anything, I take I take certain versions of covering cryptids so seriously that I, I'm keeping a lot of them in the drawer, so to speak, until we can we get ramped up enough that I feel comfortable with hitting, particularly the uh West Virginia cryptids. I don't want to um I don't I don't want to mess up those episodes. So um, yeah. for now I'm gonna to stick to not the A Colorado not the Kryptians. A team. You know what I mean? The at best the yeah. West Coast Avengers or Excalibur. Um <laughs> yeah. All I do now is stick around. Let me tell you about the slide rock bolter, because it is a pretty funny. Um, so its origins are in a book that you can find. You can access digital versions of this book. It's called Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods. Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods. And it is a famous cryptozoology text by an American author uh, named William Thomas Cox. It came out in 1910. So if you and if you just google it you can find digital versions of the whole damn thing. And what it really is is a a a metafiction, a fantasy field guide to the kind of creatures you might encounter in the the lumberwoods meaning the southwestern territory of the colorados in the late 19th century that is is his main focus, but he's also got um monsters from Wisconsin he's got monsters he's got the squonk from um Pennsylvania which is so yeah. which is so ashamed of its hideousness that it hides uh it hides from view um it, it the the 1910 uh fearsome creatures book it's really fascinating because it's uh old enough that it's a proper american folklore Bestiary really is, is, um, a version of something you would call it. It is a proper bestiary because mostly it is a list of these, uh, some of them totally surreal and ludicrous, uh, monsters. Uh, you guys can decide how ridiculous you guys, you find the, uh, the slide rock bolter. It's, uh, it's, it's maybe the, it is maybe the most famous of those that have been in, invented, quote unquote, in the book. I mean, You know, maybe it was properly documented. But um, uh, basically, (laughs) William Thomas Cox, the origins of the story are that he, he worked in and around these places. And for one reason or another, the idea is that he got of a mind of being a little bit conservationalist. And that also he had a kind of... Sense that the community or the culture and experiences of the loggers that um, that came up in the Colorado area and in the West, um, particularly the Mountain West, in the late nineteenth century was a feeling that had happened and was already in the rear view. And my this is this is this part is me kind of. Guesstimating. This is my best hypothesis, is that he wanted to capture um, elements of that history and culture without just writing a straight uh, documentation of how things were. And his version of doing it was Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods. <laughs> and some from so, and the the full the full uh, actual name of it is with uh, f- the fearsome creatures of the lumberwoods with a few desert and mountain beasts and it it covers a whole bunch of them it's it, uh, the splinter cat who is a feline who during thunderstorms uses its rigid forehead to ram trees these trees contain its primary source of food Uh, It eats raccoons and honey. Or the Cactus Cat, a southwestern feline having a coat resembling thorns and a tail like branches, notorious for its fondness for fermented cactus juice. The cat then becomes intoxicated and goes shrieking into the night. Uh, the funeral mountain terra shot, an animal with a casket shaped structure that, after wandering down from the mountains, explodes upon contact with the searing sands of the desert. Um, it, it's <laughs> What a, is it, that one? It, it is called the funeral mountain terra shot. Like, it sounds- Terra, um, T-E-R-R-A shot is one word. The funeral mountain terra shot. <laughs> In that section, it describes uh, it describes our slide rock bolter as an appendageless leviathan, save for two claw like hooks that grapples itself atop Colorado slopes, awaiting anything at the bottom, where after the hungry creature skids down the incline with its jaws wide open. After the consumption of its prey, the momentum it gained while traveling down the slope will carry it to a new one. So <laughs> the slide of rock bolter is a, is a yeah. very niche <laughs> creature indeed, if we if it is to be believed. <laughs> In any description that I have heard, it is a singular slide rock bolter there's not families of these things running around um you know but i've i i would not go too far down the the logic track with the bolter um to 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 really (laughs) suss all of that out to me it has kind of the the a sense of the early american folklore and myths like johnny appleseed and and john henry and the it has kind of these um really fundamental like american folktale vibes throughout it you know that there's kind of a there's kind of a morality play hidden right under the surface and it seems not as if it's meant to be utterly convincing but that it's meant to have like a, a grand scale that that, you know, goes along with American folktales that it's the, the ridiculousness is in way a feature rather than a flaw. So we, we managed to get a fish. It's not in the water, so I'm sidestepping our um, what is that word I want to use? Our embargo on um, fish monsters uh, from 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 (laughs) oh yeah, forgot about it. (laughs) Technically, it is some kind of land fish, but it is not aquatic, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm I feel like I've just barely dodged the uh, the letter of the law.
1: Um, but yeah, I wouldn't count it as aquatic. It's not aquatic. The, the Colorado Mountains are certainly not the ocean. I, I do know that.
0: Yeah, it's not even wet. I'll, I'll put it this way. You can't fall into the water and get eaten by it. You have to be walking <laughs> yeah. al- walking along the mountainside, which is one of the primary things that makes this thing, um, on some level, actually frightening, is that there could be a, be a thing that's bigger than a blue whale that can still swallow you in one gulp. When you're just walking down a path yeah. of the, in the damn woods... Um, on, a, on a mountain, which is um, maybe maybe why it's such an interesting creature—literal fish out of waterness of it. Um, really, really does, really does something for the what the fuck is happening aspect of the story. Um, yeah. <laughs> but to get to get more into it, I'm going to uh, I'm going to read a piece directly from the the Crypted Wiki. This is just I'm going to straight up read this section. It says the slide the slide rock bolter macrostoma sexiperumpitus is a bizarre creature (laughs) recounted by the lumberjacks of North America during the 19th century and early 20th centuries. It is believed to live in the mountains of Colorado, but this beast only lived in the mountains where the slope was more than a 45-degree angle. It has an immense head with small eyes and a large mouth. It has a tail ending in a fluke like a dolphin with enormous grab hooks. All day long, this creature will just... Wait for a tourist or helpless creature below it. At the right moment, it will lift its tail, thus loosening its hold on the mountain, and descend rapidly down the slope. With the beast's mouth wide open, it would swallow all that got in its way. Whole parties of tourists are reported to have been gulped up in one scoop by taking parties far back into the hills." Its body is also so large and strong that trees in its path are broken and destroyed. Its own impetus carries it up to the next slope, where it again slaps its tail over the ridge and <laughs> <waits>. <laughs> Yeah, there's lots of depictions of this ridiculous-ass thing. There's a, yeah. there's a lot of people in Colorado with a lot more weed and time uh, than, um, than there used to be. Yeah, there, there also seems to be a
1: ongoing argument that it isn't a fish <laughs> at all because uh, it's never described as a fish people some people are saying that it's a worm
0: well i i i'm a, I'll, I'll put it i'll put it this way whether or not it counts as a fish is way yeah. down my list of curiosities about the slide rock bolter <laughs> um, like, it, I, it, it does not seem, yeah, it does not seem as consequential as some other questions that I would have yeah. about this big fishy, fishy dude. Um, but, uh, there's some great ones. The one, it's called bolter1.jpg, is kind of like an old timey one. It's down in the lower section, yeah. the lower gallery. Um, that is, that is, uh, from the actual, Uh, Fearsome Creatures book that was illustrated by uh, Cote de Bois, who was a forester that Cox uh, employed to do the many-fold illustrations in the Fearsome Creatures book. I mean, it's it's pure 1910 jibber jabber. It's it's lovely, but um, <laughs> ultimately, all of these these stories boil down to one thing: that it, it eats tourists. It sometimes eats uh, lumberjacks. Whatever, whatever gets, whatever it sees a big enough meal, it takes its um massive scrotum like fins off of the top of the mountain that it's resting on, which just causes it its incredible weight to shoot down, and then it is somehow able it must have a really good sense of like leading the leading the bullet in front of in front of the 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 deer, like because, you know, it's gotta it's gotta <laughs> hit where its prey is gonna be, not where its prey is when it lets go of the mountainside. Yeah. So it's got a real powerful sense of um, timing. Also, that it's whatever it's eating does not have the good sense to get out of the way in the time when it starts down the mountain. By the time it gets to uh, what it's going to swallow, uh, and but there's but the the photos you just got to see them to believe them. They're 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 phenomenal uh, photos. why am I saying? Photos. The illustrations. <laughs> Um, yeah, of yeah. this uh, of this fantastic thing, it alternatively looks yeah, it, it can look like a menacing worm with massive fangs, um, in some cases. A lot of times it just looks like a like a a, a gargantuan billy bass, you know. It's a it's you know it's <laughs> yeah. the great thing about something that's only been described is you got a lot of leeway to get to get jiggy with it. Bill! Other than the primary story, there is, um, there's an additional story that gets brought up in relationship to the bolter that, uh, its eventual downfall was thanks to an inventive and thoughtful, uh, Colorado Ranger who decided that he would take care of the, he would take care of the bolter for everybody and he, Cleverly, uh, costumed a mannequin like a tourist, you know, like carrying a map, probably with some overpriced REI short shorts, um, and a big, big orange nylon backpack and stuck it out on the path and filled it full of dynamite. So that when the, when the <laughs> bolter, the bolter foolishly took the bait, even though all of his usual bait is, um, probably moving at the time wait a second uh, he fell for the mannequin trap gobbled up the gobbled up the faux tourist the faker tourist and um, was subsequently blown to kingdom come and the uh, the the subsequent shockwave was so Pro was so powerful that it knocked down all of the buildings at the old Rico, Colorado, uh, lumber town and then flattened them all. And it's interesting because it actually focuses, uh, the, the story and the area of the slide rock bolter down to a specific area. And if you take um if you take rico colorado as um an example and not just a suggestion it tells you a story of um this tumultuous time in uh the mountain west that is coming off of the it's really kind of the it, it's it is it's really in parallel to the wild west and you know the dakotas and the the far southwest territories that the railroad industry, after the mining industry in Rico, f- falls to um, a series of just economic disasters. It, they transition over to timber, and the way they're able to do this is the treaties that had been negotiated with the Ut Nation Tribes uh, nobody paid a lot of attention to. So if any of you are not familiar with the fact that, um, it was, uh, that Americans loved to enforce treaties when it benefited them with the natives and did not give a flying fuck if they were at all inconvenient, uh, would completely ignore a treaty when it was contrary wise to their interests. So, uh, th- after a massive boom in the area that w- thanks to gold and silver, of up to a total of 5,000 or so people in Rico in 1892. In a year or so, it got all the way down to 800 people and then transitioned into being just a logging zone. Because there was still a huge amount of money to be made selling logging to selling logs and timber primarily to the railroad that was pushing across the American Southwest. So the the, the white folks manifested their destinies all over the uh, all over all over the natives and began chopping up the the forest for um, capital gain. And, uh, with it, but the thing is, within a decade of that time, the deforestation has totally destroyed all of that timber wealth of the region and creates a tension between the loggers and the newly minted upper class East Coast, uh, eco tourists who begin coming out to the West to look at the terrible um, ramifications that we have wrought and begins that causes the ramping up of the burgeoning genesis of the American conservation movement which is one of the first times that Americans look around and go like ah oh, there's a finite amount of this um, we should we maybe shouldn't just destroy it until it completely runs out maybe that's a maybe that's a bad <laughs> maybe it's a bad policy yo man! God damn you! God damn you all to hell! It's within the context of looking back at the, the relatively brief period of time when this uh, logging culture in Colorado was pre- a, a preeminent part of the economy, that m- the illegal mining of gold and silver had, had waned, and logging just became this massive thing. And, and looking into it, I, had, I didn't realize that lumberjacks were really a seasonal thing. I mean, it makes sense that they're seasonal, but really it was the people that became lumb- lumberjacks were not uh, 365 lumberjacks. They were farmers who lived elsewhere. And then when there was not enough farming to do in the winter, because it was too damn cold, you would go and be a lumberjack because all of the cutting would get done in the cold <laughs> because the sap would freeze and it was actually easier to cut through than the, the, the sticky, bloody sap of the hot months.
2: I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day.
0: So lumberjacks are not a devoted profession during that period. You would be a, a subsistence farmer um, and then you would go be a lumberjack during the, the crappy months, which I'm sure makes it even more satisfying. And that's OK. And that is OK.
2: so <laughs> okay. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. On Wednesdays, I go shopping and have butter scones for
0: tea. Um, you are a lumberjack, and you are okay. That's okay. It's definitely going to be in the show. Don't worry, William Cox. We cannot. We really can't know um, precisely what his motives were, or at least I. I did not penetrate exactly what his motives were in doing this. Um, f- fanciful uh, fantasy field guide. You know, I think that it, it was his way of recording a period of time that he had a connection to. Um, and there is a, there is more than a, a whiff of nostalgia in pieces that, uh, that he writes. Here is a quote directly from, uh, Cox in the, in the fearsome creatures book. It says, I
2: cut down trees, I skip and jump, I like to press wildflowers, I put on women's clothing and hang around in bars.
0: The lumber regions are contracting. Stretches of forest that once seemed boundless are all but gone, and many a stream is quiet that once ran full of logs and echoed to the song of the River Driver. Some say that the old type of logger himself is becoming extinct. It is my purpose in this little book to preserve at least a description and sketch of some of the interesting animals which he has originated. And that was William T. Cox, Future, William T. Cox, Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods, uh, 1910. So you, you can get even from that little forward that um, he's playing a, a two-handed game that he is um, engaging in a version of uh, nostalgia but I think by, uh, he's doing uh, doing it by way of the, the crazy stories that this old guy that these guys would sit around and tell probably while they were getting drunk at night you know to, to, to take the take the edge off of the sunrise to sunset, um, miserable day that they had, um, up until that point, I'm sure there was, there were more than a few, um, big fish stories and maybe the slide rock bolter is just the biggest fish story of them all. So, um, you can, you can get a sense. I mean, he outright says, uh, it is my purpose in this little book to preserve at least a description and sketch you know, he makes it about the monsters or the creatures, however, you know, he probably wouldn't have used the term monster. But I, I think it is, a, it's an interesting way to, to, to create a piece of fiction that somehow gets at history in a way that perhaps he didn't even intend. <laughs> Gavin, what, what is occurring to you looking at these pictures? Uh, hearing the stories that I'm describing, what's what's jumping out of you? Because I'm, I'm talking too much.
1: How do you come up with this? <laughs> I have no idea who would think, like, anybody walking on a mountain or actually, like, experiencing a mountain, like, um, uh, firsthand, just in the world, uh, isn't going to think that a creature can let go of the mountain and then just by its momentum go up another mountain. Like, yeah. somebody walking through the mountain is not going to think that. Somebody yeah. looking at, like, a picture of a mountain, <laughs> like, just kind of tracing it with their finger, tired in bed, is going to think that up. Like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Yes.
0: Well... I don't know, I, that that last part, I, I think it's complicated because there are a few examples in the Fearsome Creatures book of kind of a monster that seems to explain a phenomenon that the loggers are actually um, interacting with, you know, the sounds that they hear in the yeah. night, or um, like, what's, what's, what's killing these animals? And I think... That it's possible that the slide rock bolter is also filling that niche, in that what they have is a lot of examples of you know the rocks they'd they'd be experiencing rock slides, they'd be experiencing mudslides. Mudslides would be a major issue because when you when yeah. you when you log a whole mountain, you've completely destabilized the the surface. And made it incredibly susceptible to the yeah, mud and, and shifting and that during a rain
1: all the time.
0: Yeah, and and so the the gravity being a um, a, a massive destructive force that could kill you is yeah. something that they're dealing with constantly. I mean, you see the, the photos of you know from the late 1890s of all these guys standing there posing, and they're 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 standing casually in. Uh, you know, in a lake on 70 foot logs, you know, and yeah. if you did that poorly, you, you there's so many ways to die. Even if, it, you know, even if the logs aren't really moving, you could just do a bad job and slip under and, you know, yeah. the, the things, you know, you roll a natural one and, and bango tango, <laughs> you're going, you're getting put in, getting put in the mountain. Um, you know, it's just a severance yeah, pay goes back home to, to Missy and Sissy.
2: Hi there. My name is Douglas Raschberger, and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and seeds for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy short-handled half-guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas' and Colors we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a cutlass for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a cutlass for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a cutlass for that. Some people say to me, But Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle-quality 27-inch half-guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield iron-forged cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raflisberger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabbed with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallbusters.com and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oops all monsters.
1: There is about 20 or 30 square miles here next to Rico called Landslip Mountain. (laughs) Well...
0: And I, yeah. <laughs> I did not, I did not get big into the maps, so yeah, that's good, good for you. That's that. I mean, that makes I'm a lot of sense. I'm the
1: mountain. I'm, I'm, wondering where does Sulfur Creek go? It seems like Sulfur Creek intersects with Dolores River, but I okay. can't see
0: the creek. Okay. Anyway. Well, you, you <laughs> solved that mystery, but I think, I think the that this, I, I Sulfur <laughs> Creek and the Rock Bolter. <laughs> I think that the Slide Rock Bolter is is an example. Of whether it was concocted by Cox or whether he inherited this story from the lumberjacks that he was associated with and wrote it down as they told it.
2: I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I wake all day.
0: I cut down trees, I wear my
2: heels, suspendies, and
0: uproar. I wish I'd been a girly, just like my dear papa. I think it is a. it feels to me as if people that are encountering strange geological phenomenon, they're encountering the results of uh, deforesting the the mountainsides. They're they're people that are a very profound anxiety about things flying down the mountain at them, about the deadliness oh. of inertia and gravity, and that creating a mascot that represents gravity and momentum and nature itself and, and adding a little bit of a beastly malevolence that is a, a, a bizarre abomination created by God Almighty is a, is a package that ties up um, the stress about being killed by nature that they're constantly feeling into a version that is a little bit more edible. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's, yeah. it does kind of the job of what conspiracy theory does. Like, it, 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 if you, you know, it's more upsetting to think that in Colorado in the 1970s, that you had Edmund Kemper killing people. Maybe you also, you know, you, Ted Bundy might have been in the same area Ed Kemper was. There are really? two or three other decapitating killers that killed, you know, um, women that they picked up on the side of the road. Then in reality, unfortunately, you, you want to come up with a conspiracy that says, like, okay, all of these people were Charles Manson, or all of this was Ted Bundy. You know, and and because a a conspiracy theory or an overarching umbrella explanation that says this was all uh, the CIA, or this was all um, you know the mafia to get rid of JFK or whatever, it means that okay, there's one bad guy, and that's all. That's the only thing you got to worry about, right? And the the giving the anxiety of something rolling down the mountain that you have just destroyed, putting it inside of a package of a monster that is not a result of your, uh, of your actions, but is just a weird beast that got put there by nature is a nice, it's a nice whitewashing of, of the situation. And, Stuffing your responsibility, you know, into the back of the closet, and not worrying about it anymore, right? And I, I think because of that, it does a couple of jobs. It simplifies the idea into something that you can, that you can, be like, I don't have to worry about that very much. And it makes it not your problem, you know. Some, somebody, somebody else put it there. How did it get there? I don't know. God's, God's drunk sometimes. Sometimes he puts yeah. giant fish on tops of the mountains. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> and um, it, it does. It doesn't feel. I mean, maybe Cox made it up, but I think it, 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 it has too much, um, tan, too much like down in the balls feeling like a story that actually comes out of the experience of being on the mountainside uh, being afraid of things crushing you <laughs> being afraid yeah. of, of massive massive things that you would never have any ability to fight fight against which would be a, a constant sense if you're cutting down you know this 10 ton tree that's 12, 12 feet in diameter that takes 4 men to, to fall and it takes you half the day to cut it and when it comes over you know you can't hear anything else and it it sounds like the spine of god snapping when it comes down you know your sense of things that can just happen and bang you're gone would be it, it was it's an anxiety that i think even the most robust uh, and or dull mind would uh, build up a natural fear against because, you know, th- fear has a job of making sure you don't get killed by a fucking tree that falls over on you. You, ne- you yeah. need, you a- need a healthy amount of anxiety is there to get you to get up a- in the morning and not get eaten by bears. Like, a certain amount of anxiety is good. And so even, even a, s- a very calm hand who uh, is, has been logging for years and years pr- has a reasonable amount of fear of a of a 10-ton tree coming down on his face, right? So, but turning all of that into kind of a punchline of a big fish whose massive fin looks like a huge pair of balls that it flops over the top of the nearest mountain, that's a lot it's a lot more it's a lot you can deal with that, right? It doesn't it's not going to keep you up at night probably. Um and it's, and it's simple. Simple is so much better for for people that are sitting around, sitting around yeah. drinking, you know, like corn, corn, whiskey and eating jerky and and worrying about if any of the Indi- <laughs> if the, any of the Indians that they scared off last year are going to come back. Right. Uh, so um I think the slide yeah. rock bolter does a few important storytelling things. Do you have a thought there? It sounds like I don't know. What are you what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of these stories make sure to end it with, like, um, that's why half the town is gone, <laughs> which yeah. which makes me wonder, like, so, something probably happened in Rico that was terrible, the, like, a real reason for why half the town is gone, but uh-huh. it said that—but a lot of it alludes that, like, all of the buildings were destroyed, and that's why there's only, like, a few buildings, because the rest are buried forever underneath— um the the dynamited rock boulder.
0: Yeah, well I was I was <laughs> alluding to that earlier, but um yeah. You know, specifically the the stories that refer to Rico, it's interesting because it very specifically paints over the actual history of the ge- geological and environmental and eco- economic destruction of Rico yeah. because it started as it used. To, it was totally Ute territory, you know, cool yeah. um, native population doing their thing, and then the white fuckers come in and start doing the uh, quote unquote Wild West, and that's not great for them. Horror. But then uh, the the real nail in the coffin comes yeah. in that gold is discovered. And silver's discovered. So, although that there is legislation that means you're not a lot, we you know, we've organized with the youths, we've got boundaries, we do not go in and mine their territory, but we're gonna just, like, not worry about that if you start doing it, maybe. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, know what I mean? And so... Tons and tons and tons of illegal mining starts going yeah. in, and you know, like nasty ass white people with suspenders and guns start, uh, con- you know, getting into conflicts with the with the the Utes, and then essentially move move them out over a period of years. And each other. Uh, with the help of various actual organizations, and then they the place gets mined to hell and mined to hell during the the mineral rush, and then a couple you know the the gold starts drying up and the the next the the in the next era where you're basically not even dealing with the Native Americans anymore is that there is a silver collapse the price of silver goes into the basement. And so everybody that's there running Silver Mines is like, ah, fuck, I guess I'm going to Go back to mining Bitcoin back in Virginia and, and basically fucks off. And that's what create, that's what, that's what creates <laughs> that, um, slide, so to speak, from, uh, around 5,000 population to less than 1,000 over the course of one year. You know, that is what, that is what cap, that's what capitalism yeah. does is the market yeah. changes and everyone's like, fuck this, fuck this mountain, fuck this, Indi- these Indians. Fuck this whole damn thing, and then everybody everybody fucks off because because of the market, and now you just have a place that is is um, useless for the mineral industry, but is good for logging, and there is still a demand from the railroad because the the the, the whites have to. You know, fuck the whole Southwest with uh, with with transit and com- commerce. So um, they need all they need all of these logs. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: but then, even after that, you have a further collapse because the New Mexico logging company shifts further south. Um, and the the logging in Colorado is no longer essential. So even that disappears. So the real story of why all of the buildings in Rico turned into just like shacks that were flattened um, into the ground is is the actual story of the American boom and bust of the late 19th, early 20th century is that you came in, exploited a bunch of resources, killed a bunch of Indians, the market flipped over three times, everybody left. But that's like, but that story feels bad and it doesn't have a cool, it doesn't have a cool monster. And yeah. so, if you instead you can say like, "Well, this, this guy got a bunch of dynamite and dressed it up like a tourist, and wham, boom, jackfish fish exploded." It was hilarious. That's way better. That's way more fun to say that. Um, so <laughs> you you know, you, like you don't blame people for shifting that story. <laughs>
1: I got lost looking at Google Maps. There's there's this little one-mile-long island off of Hawaii that just has, like, a single tree in the middle, <laughs> and that seems like a cartoon to me.
0: You think it's leftover from Warcraft 3 or something? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's just a troll. Some
1: secret spot. Yeah. yeah. There's a troll
0: wandering around that one tree going, what do you want me to do?
1: <laughs> Who'd you want
0: me to <laughs> Zug Zug. <laughs> yeah, you're the captain. <laughs> yeah. My denouement, my my outro, my conclusion of this one is, and I did not have this locked up until until I really got all the way into this. But here is going to be my um, uh, Sierra Club soapbox ending about about this topic. <laughs> yes. uh, so so everybody. Everybody, um, zzz, get your North Fe- your two hundred dollar North Face jackets on, and uh, and just get ready to go. You can ultimately say that the the Slide Rock bolter represents a strange triangulation in American history, where uh, Cox and the lumberjacks of the late nineteenth century attempt to assign the ramifications of their industry to a force of nature. They they to they want to assign it to an unknowable monster that is. Um, God's creation or an abomination are essentially not their fault. That the destruction of the forests and the mountainsides could be the result of their very hands is somehow less fathomable than a multi-ton scrotum-finned landfish that Tony hawks his way down a <laughs> river of his own spittle. Um, yeah. Alternatively, oh, yeah, Uh, The Bolter can represent the wrath of the mountains themselves, taking vengeance against those that have done them such harm, but this is a, a comfort that we as the consumer of this story do not deserve. It would be as if we blamed global warming on Daenerys Targaryen's dragons, who were in turn upset about the melting of the ice caps. It waves it, wa- it waves a red flag at the charging bull of responsibility, but at the last minute, casually prances out of the way and pulls a smug, satisfied grin at the audience that we can continue to destroy the planet and pat ourselves on the back because we did it with charm and the wit of a cunning bard while doing so. So... What is the big fat uh, lesson of this live rock bolter? That we should learn to assign blame in a way that is accurate and accurately accounts for the injuries that we cause to the planet, because that is the sole purpose of blame. It is to create an instruction manual and a map for going forward to avoid the dangers and pains of the past. That is what blame is for. Feeling bad is not the point. The feeling bad is to get you to avoid doing shitty shit. So what the bolter does is gives us a plausible deniability to Cox and or to the lumberjacks. And that deniability is uh, of a kind that we no longer have the option of suffering. Okay, so asterisk, climbs off of soapbox, close asterisk. (laughs) You know, I was not looking for an environmentalist um, lesson uh, when I grabbed onto this one. I think it, it's totally coincidental that I've, I've, I found this terrifying mountain fish, and I, that's hilarious, and I need to do a cryptid, so bang. That was about as, as complicated as my thinking was when I found this. <laughs> um, I was like, look at that hilarious fish with balls on the top of its tail, that it slides oh, off wow. the mountains and eats things.
1: You know, either one of us are gonna find like some type of deeper meaning or story to it. And it just so happens this one already had one built in. So <laughs> there,
0: there we go. Yeah, I mean, very quickly <laughs> this is becoming um, you know a come for the balls, stay for the lesson show. Yeah, uh, and and I think that I think that's fine. I you know I'm, I'm I there there are certain flavors of. Finding the profound that I, I want to avoid. You know, I, I don't plan on being uh, uh, getting too preachy too often. This is just one that walked itself yeah. right into a classroom and up to a podium and said, I'm about the environment. And I, you know, <laughs> like I, I just particularly how fucking fucked up everything is right now with how. Wildly, this hurricane is going to totally destroy like a significant portion uh, of the country right now during the middle of a pandemic. And most of us can look around and be like, that's just a bunch of coincidences. It's not a big deal. That's probably not, that's probably not. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Yeah. That's fine. It is, it is, um, it is just so insane. Uh, and at the time, you know, these lumberjacks, they would have looked around and they'd be like, man, we did cut down a lot of trees. All right. Better go back to the farm. (laughs) See you in Ohio. You know, it, 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 it's painful in a way to look at how, um, willfully ignorant those people can be, where you can be like, Hey, this mountain used to be like this. And there used to be a bunch of people that lived here for like millennia without causing a whole bunch of fucking destruction. But because they didn't worship, like, a, a blonde guy from the desert who was obsessed with foreskins, it's okay to shoot them all with shotguns. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if wars could be fought just by the assholes who started them?
1: I just realized something. What's that? Uh, my next monster has, like, a huge environmental message to it, too. Fucking...
0: <laughs> Whatever. I mean, that's not a thing that yeah. we should be... Yeah. D- 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 Dodging, like, similar punchlines twice in a row is not a thing that we yeah, can, pre- not a thing that we can else, predict. Yeah, I'll do something <laughs> else. No, 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 no. I'm saying, like, go ahead and do the same monster. That's just patterns <laughs> will randomly emerge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we have, yeah. we have not hammered on anything between the two of us that's, like, so similar that we have to have any kind of serious, like, you know, getting around the kitchen table and saying like, "Okay, well, I'm going to do this, then, and you do that." Yeah. That like, it, everything has been so diverse, um, particularly if you don't take them in order. Like, you we yeah. don't have to presume that the all of the audience is going to follow the fascism of podcast chronology. Particularly yeah. in my experience when I consume shows like this, if I you know, sometimes I'll, I'll just go start at one and go two, three, four, five six, seven. But particularly if I'm starting a new show and it's a subject based show where I can see in the title what the subject is. I'll just go like, okay. I I don't even know if I want to date this podcast, so I'm going to download three of them that sound like things that I'm actually down for. So I'm going to take, okay, I'll do um, all right. I'll do the Red Dragon here, and I'll do, you know, the Walking Dead zombies here or whatever. Yeah, we we should not tie our testicles in knots about our yeah. su- subject templates. How,
1: how metafictitious could we get um, <laughs> discussing this on the podcast? <laughs>
0: Uh, that I'll probably cut most of that section out oh legitimately. Man. I mean, I, but, uh... Well, that
1: ruins the, the small joke I just told. All right, uh, that's fine.
0: No, no, I mean, I'll probably leave in <laughs> enough of it that you can say that joke still, so... It's, <laughs> it, <laughs> it, but how fucking, how fucking hilarious are these stupid pictures of this damn mountain yeah,
1: fish? Yeah, I've been looking at a lot of... There's so many pictures of it. Uh, yeah, and they're I'm, t- all t- I'm telling you,
0: they legalized weed in Colorado, and now everybody's just got, like, aw, took, out yeah. their, took out all of their... Uh, pens and pencils from junior high, and they're like, dude, this thing fucking smacks! Imagine this <laughs> fucking thing coming down the mountain and shit like 100 miles per hour, man! Like, hey, Colorado <laughs> people. I mean, it is a great, it is a amazing and great thing to illustrate, because it's so stupid. Because, like, it, it looks ultimately kind of like a dead fish from a Korean market, but... Yeah. Make it a 100,000 times too big and it can eat you <laughs> by surprise. Yeah. There's there's a lot of these, like I said, the
1: counter-argument people who want it to be a worm. Yeah. There's like just as many of those pictures of it just being like a tube worm.
0: <laughs> That's in a way, way more terrifying. Um, yeah. Because at least you don't have to ask, like, how did the fish get up there? Why is there a fish i don't know yeah uh, but uh, you <laughs> know it's just a tube worm. <laughs> it's just it just kept e- <laughs> it's, star- it's, it's it a- started eating grubs and then it ate mice then it ate cats it's a damn then it ate raccoons. it's a tremor yeah it's just the solo <laughs> graboid <Yeah. laughs> the solo graboid theory
2: broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you you bastard
0: And then it started eating deer, and then it started (laughs) eating bear, and then how you know finally gets gets to eating um, shitty uh, Pennsylvania tourists. We'll get off of that. Let's finish the show. We need to finish the show. What what we need to find is a picture of Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Describing Jeffrey
2: Dean Morgan.
0: And most of these, he's just looking like a handsome asshole. Um,
2: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: He is with his wife and kid, looking like I'm. I'm very proud of
0: my family. And yeah, you it looks wholesome be. as fuck. <laughs> it's really annoying. Yeah, okay, hold on. Wholesome cowboy. <laughs> There's a side by side, and what I'm interested in is the side on the right, where he looks like I don't know, like a early, like a late 19th century Colorado lumberjack to me. Um, yeah. it's a very, <laughs> it's a, or like a miner or a prospector. Probably from the Texas Rising show. I think it, it matches our theme for today. He's got a hell of a, he's got a hell of a beard. Yeah, um, yeah. He's
1: got one handsome beard. That's a full, but not out of control. Um, it, uh, it's it's just big enough, and it's I can't describe it because it's per it's a perfect beard because normally. Beards have problems, and they make themselves appear as beards. That looks like he's just like a, a, a well-crafted GI Joe, and the beard is just
0: part of him instead of hair yes. that grows
1: out of his face.
0: Yeah, right. It's a it's a, it's a shape <laughs> rather than a bunch of individual pieces. It would be a lot. It would be easy to yeah. draw or animate as opposed to most actual facial hair, which is yeah. really what you want. Is you 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 know if you're Pompadour. Um, looks like a bunch of individual pieces, or your beard does. You're doing it wrong. Like i I've been yeah. <laughs> i have been on the bleeding edge of an acceptable fullness of beard my most of my beard life. You know, like if <laughs> if I lost 10 percent more fullness, I couldn't do facial hair at all. Um, it's a, it's probably a miracle that I can I can do it in the first place. But in this in this photo, he's got a great hipster flop hat on. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I've suddenly when as soon as I say that, I feel like he's it's yeah. got like Williamsburg, New York. Like, I work as a blacksmith, um, but I but I'm from but I'm from Manhattan. Like vibes from it. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I only eat apples that have already fallen from the tree, and uh, yeah. yogurt that I make at home. And there are nine nephews under my subfloor. <laughs> <laughs> I will not grant you access. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> I was joking or was I? <laughs> I don't know why I'm giving this character this voice. I've suddenly I went all the way from Colorado logging camp to Williamsburg serial killing uncle. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it's just he. It's just in it's ever since he lost this forty pounds, he's got constant. Um, I will drown you in a bathtub face. <laughs> I yeah. don't. And I. I don't know if that's a. Uh, PR strategy or something, but like <laughs> whenever he's whenever he's on camera, he I guess he has learned that his job is to have um, resting sociopath face. I, I, yeah, like his agent is like M- mean Henry. If the cameras are rolling, look like you want to kill my family.
1: Yeah, but make it fun. Make it <laughs> maniacal.
0: Evil. <laughs> But fun. An evil. Killer. Evil, a,
1: a calm maniacal. In no quirky. way, like, the opposite of Mark Hamill's maniacal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do not ever think that Mark Hamill is going to come um, put a pillow over my face in the middle of the night. Mark, you ever wa- follow any of Mark Hamill's social media? He's a del- He's a no. lovable delight. He's great. Um, I bet he is. I highly recommend looking at anything that Mark Hamill puts out because he seems to just be an A-plus human, which is yeah. making great. It's making the world better for everybody. It's a shame that he got killed by those terrible, dark Jedi.
1: Oh, yeah. that Well, that didn't happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Mark Hamill is yeah, as, really as a matter alive. Of fact. alive.
1: I'm still waiting for the good movie to come out that that comes out after Empire Strikes
0: Back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you and about um, seven million other pissed off uncles, they're like, yeah, I I don't acknowledge any of this (laughs) anime clone wars. Turn wrangling sons of mother motherfucking George Lucas's fucking hysterectomy bullshit! Ewoks, Ewoks, <laughs> Ewoks are shite! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do love Ewoks though. Me and Wilford Brimley. Um, <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> uh, that's a two percenter right there. That's probably not even a two percenter.
1: Jeffrey Dean Morgan in this outfit looks appropriate
2: <laughs> I hope that's um, I hope,
0: whoever I hope that's just him on his ranch on a Tuesday
2: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that's right he also kind of lives like this
0: <laughs> he's not a sociopath sure he's, a he's real, just got a resting like... pilgrim face
1: yeah he's got a resting pilgrim face <laughs> <laughs> being on a ranch being a wholesome rancher. <laughs> Did you have? Did you ever see a show that he had where he invited America into his house after The Walking Dead? I think.
0: No, is this like Jeffrey Dean Morgan's cribs or something?
1: Like kind of, except it's not cribs would would be too obnoxious for this type of setting. Uh-huh. Like the the way Jeffrey Dean Morgan hosted a show was like hot cocoa. Let's enjoy this fire, kind of.
0: <laughs> yeah I'm sure they're, I'm sure the producers were just like totally creaming their jeans over look it's a
2: hilarious juxtaposition but the bad man he has a cocoa in the nice house <laughs> yeah yeah he says <laughs> <it's> so scary <laughs> but look at him he's wearing all denim
0: now <laughs> oh he's <laughs> walking gray.
1: dead produced by Bjorn Hordens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, uh, yeah and <laughs> well this this scary man he has a curative machine right there on the island in the kitchen. Oh my god, I love him so much. He's a delightful Oh he made an espresso for me so fantastic. He, just, he went for He went, for, That's the family. He went from Scandahoovy until to, to like shitty Mario Italian there somewhere. I don't know what I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on there? It's a very complicated character, that that fake that fake AMC producer I just made up. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so this has been Describing this has Jeffrey been Describing D. a lot of things Describing Jeffrey Dean Morgan And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs and bowls of flesh eating dessert fluff.
1: And if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes, that really does help.
0: Share an episode on your favorite social media and hit up our Instagram for the images that go along with each episode.
1: Comment on Instagram with the monsters that you would want to see or email your suggestions for what we should cover. Also, email us stories from role-playing games that you might have created because we like hearing about those. The email address to send those to is oopsallmonsters at gmail.com.
0: And if you want to toss a coin into the Potion Fund, hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Or if you're feeling really froggy, sign up at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The darling Kathleen's okay. With that, I have been Hess, and I've been Gavin, and we have been oops, Oops. all monsters, monsters. slime, rock, Mulder! Uh, that's that's a that's a (laughs) weird form over there. Okay, let's let's do it.
2: Turning it off.
0: I'm
1: still going. Alright, I'll turn it off down
2: Cut!